Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we truly thank you for all the many, many blessings you've poured upon us all throughout this day. And now the awesome opportunity once again to get back into your word. Help us now as we do that. So we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Continuing our Bible study from A to Z in the word knowledge, we'll turn to Romans in chapter 10. And here we see a reference to knowledge used as it reads, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Of course, this is Paul's letter to the church at Rome. As he continues, For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Pointing out that just having a zeal for religion isn't enough. You've got to have the knowledge of God. You've got to have the knowledge of truth. So that your religious beliefs and behaviors glorify God, not yourselves. Which is what they were getting into. They felt justified by their works. And we're not justified by works. We're justified by faith. Faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. They were lacking that knowledge. Read verse 3 again. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Jesus Christ fulfilled the law. He's talking about the old Mosaic law, the statutes, ordinances, and and commandments of the Old Testament, some 613 or so, that they wanted to, to... fulfill in order to have righteousness. But you've got to have Jesus Christ at the core. None of the religious activities, behaviors, beliefs, rituals are worth anything without Jesus Christ being in it. All right, now turn on over to Romans chapter 11. Picking it up here in verse 33. Just a few verses for the reference to wisdom and knowledge. And here it reads, O the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out! For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been His counselor? Or who hath first given to Him and it shall be recompensed unto him again. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. We are so far away from achieving full and complete wisdom and knowledge. And when they get puffed up and arrogant thinking that they are equal to God like Satan did, it's not well for them, will not go well at all. But when we acknowledge that 
God's wisdom and knowledge is so far beyond us that we can't even begin to fully understand. And then we accept what He gives us and receive the wisdom and knowledge that He can give us and apply it properly. The key there, applying it properly, not to take it on as something that we have achieved of ourselves due to all the vast study and, and so forth. No. The truth and wisdom that comes from God is a gift. And we acknowledge that we only have a little morsel. We only have a little speck, a little parcel, just a sampling of the unbelievable amount, the unimaginable amount of knowledge and wisdom that God has. All right, now turn to 1 Corinthians. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, now here we see another letter of Paul, this one to the church at Corneth, to the Christians. And let's pick it right up in verse 1. Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sophinus, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corneth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. He's identifying who he's writing to and who he's delivering this message to, the Christians at Corneth. Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ. Here acknowledging that what we receive from God is by grace, not that we've earned it, but by grace, that in everything ye are enriched by Him in all utterance and in all knowledge. Noting here and acknowledging here that the knowledge is a gift given to us by grace from God. Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that ye come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm you unto the end, that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, God is faithful by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Pointing out what the key is. That conduit of flow that comes from God Almighty by way of the finished work of Jesus Christ and through the indwelling Spirit of the Holy Ghost and can give us the knowledge and wisdom that we need to be in His perfect will. Should be our goal our desire, and our mission to always stay in the will of the Lord and to receive knowledge that is available to us. When we take that knowledge and we use it properly, it gets multiplied. So let's do that. On over to 1 Corinthians in chapter 8. Another reference to knowledge here. And here he gets into a subject concerning the liberty that we have as born-again Christians, as we know and understand that the law, the Mosaic law, has been fulfilled. 
the statutes, ordinances, and commandments of the Old Testament are fulfilled. We are not bound by the the ones that were laid out to show our trust and faith and our obedience. They are not all over into or carry over into the New Testament times. When we do the two great commandments that the Lord has given us and emphasize those always, the importance of those, and fulfill them, then everything falls right into place because that's what the Lord said in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the the Lord thy God, with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets, focusing on what is most important, and that is the love of God and the love of others. Not all of the religious rituals and ordinances of the past. One of the ones that he gets into is about eating of various meats because it was commanded Moses and the children of Israel during the Exodus not to eat pork and not to eat anything that was sacrificed to an idol. He gets into those subjects here so we can learn from that as he tells us here in chapter 8, and we can learn about our liberty of following such ordinances in the New Testament time, as it reads. Now, as touching things offered unto idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. And if any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing yet as he ought to know. Point out here, don't get too puffed up in your knowledge. But if any man love God, the same is known of him. As concerning, therefore, the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world, and that there is none other God but one. For though there be that are called gods, whether in heaven or in earth, as there be gods many and lords many. But to us there is but one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. Howbeit, there is not in every man that knowledge. For some with conscience of the idol unto this hour eat, it as a thing offered unto an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. When they get into the beliefs of following these idol ways, these false teachings and so forth, they get bound up in them, and their conscience is actually affected. But meat commendeth us not to God. It isn't the eating or not eating that brings us to God. But meat commendeth us not to God, for neither if we eat are we the better, neither if we eat not are we the worse. 
See, the pagan ways was that if they ate these same sacrifice to those idols, then they were combined or connected to that idol. But it doesn't apply to Christianity. Verse 9, But take heed, lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. For if any man see thee which hast knowledge set at meat in a, the idol's temple, shall not the conscience of him which is weak be emboldened to eat those things which are offered to idols? And through thy knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died? But when ye sin so against the brethren, and wound their weak conscience, ye sin against Christ. Wherefore, if meat make my brother to offend, I will eat no flesh while the world standeth, lest I make thy, my brother to offend. So if there is one of the rituals of the Old Testament, this is just one that he's applying here, but any of the rituals of the Old Testament that somebody that you know or associate with is so hung up on and believes so much that doing that or not doing a particular thing brings them in a relationship with God Almighty, then we need to respect that in that person's belief and not make it a stumbling block for them. To you yourself, then do or not do whatever that thing is that that person is overwhelmed in belief of and cause them to have a problem. So don't do that. We, even though we know ourselves and our relationship with God, what he wants us to do and not to do, doesn't mean that everyone else has reached that same level. So we got to be very careful how we behave around others as they need to grow as well and not offend or create a stumbling block, as he says, in their walk with the Lord. It can get complicated. But we've got to be careful with everything we say, everything we do around everyone, because it could affect their walk with the Lord. All right, now go on over to 1 Corinthians in chapter 12. Further references to knowledge that we can receive from the Lord, and it is a gift that is given to us, not that we earn it, but that it is given to us by grace. Got to always be thankful for that as well. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Now this ignorant doesn't mean stupid, it means without knowledge. You know that ye were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as ye were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But a manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. 
Verse 7 is very important there where it talks about the revelation of these gifts and that they are given to us for everyone's benefit, not just our own benefit. Read verse 7 again. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. Note there, as the Lord's will. He gives us these various gifts for us to apply to benefit all, to share and to expand the kingdom, to glorify God, not ourselves, but to glorify God. And when we use them properly, it will do that very thing, fulfill the will of God and help the entire kingdom of God. All right, now on over to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Here he gets into the subject of speaking in tongues, one of those spiritual gifts and how it can be misused. There is, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or as a tinkling cymbal. When we use the gifts that he gives us, no matter what those gifts are, we must use them in a proper way to bring honor and glory to the Lord, not to ourselves. Way too often people will be given a spiritual gift and then they'll turn around and use that spiritual gift just to show off to others. Look how holy and righteous I am because I can do this or that. Speaking in tongues is one of the more common ones that we see references to. As it continues, and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. Now this charity isn't just speaking of giving of donations to someone who has a need. Charity is the sincere concern for someone else's well-being. That's one of the two great commandments, to love others as yourself. You have to have that, because without that, then none of the other gifts that you could receive will mean anything because you're not using them with that in mind of helping someone else. It's then being used just to help yourself and becomes selfish and covetousness. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long, and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Doeth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinking no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth 
in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is a part shall be done away. When I was a child, I was spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. See, one of the childish things that he's speaking of here is the use of the many gifts that he has available to us just to bring ourselves all the glory for it. We've got to do the things the Lord allows us to do for the benefit of others. As it continues, For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity. These three but the greatest of these is charity. Pointing out the importance of a sincere concern for someone else's well-being to benefit someone else, not to just benefit ourselves. That is one of the challenges that we face when we are given things from the Lord, when we are given whatever the gifts are. He speaks of the knowledge and and prophecy, and speaking of tongues, and so forth. Do we use that to show someone else how knowledgeable we are, or how blessed we are to have such gifts? Is it just for our own selfish, puffed-up, arrogant, pious attitude that we seek glory of others by using these gifts in front of them? Sad to say, way too many times that's what happens. Someone receives a gift, and then they use it just to show off. And it's not going to go well for them. It's not going to be counted to a benefit for them. They're going to lose that reward. It's going to be burned up because that's part of the wood, hay, and the stubble he speaks of. Because it was done for the wrong reason. Used for the wrong purpose. Got to use everything to bring honor and glory to the Lord and to benefit others. That's the key, that charity. Sincere concern for someone else's well-being. All right, now let's look over at 1 Corinthians in chapter 15. Here, let's pick it up in verse 34. Awake to righteousness and sin not. Over and over we see the references to wake up. Awake. Too many Christians are snoring. They're sleeping. They're slumbering. They got the attitude, I got mine, you get yours. They just get saved and they sit back and sleep, waiting for the, the end times. It shouldn't be. We need to get at it. We need to sin not. Because one of those sins is you just take all the benefits the Lord's given you and you just use them for yourselves and sit back and wait. He's awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. 
shame that you don't know God, shame that you don't have the wisdom and understanding and knowledge that God has available that he'll give us when we turn around and use it properly, which is the key. Verse 34 again, Awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Some men will say, How are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Thou fool! That which thou sowest is not quickened, except it die. He's just given one of the examples of some of the questions that a born-again Christian should have understood very early on, and that is speaking of what we have to look forward to as born-again Christians, as far as the glorified body. And that was one of the questions. But this could be applied to many different questions that a mature Christian should know. But many times you find people that have been born again for quite some time, but yet still they have the knowledge and understanding of just a child, someone who just became a Christian. So he's pointing that out to their shame, that awake, by now you should have already known and understood this stuff. So now he gets into a little bit of teaching. Because thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened, except it die. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bear grain in many, it may chance of wheat or of some other grain. But God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars. For one star differeth from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, The first man, Adam, was made a living soul, the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit, that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthly. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthly, such are they also that are earthly, and as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doeth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. 
So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, but the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, forasmuch as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. That's awesome what we have to look forward to. That glorified body that he speaks of there. Incorruptible and immortal. It will not rot, rust. It will not decay. It will not wither away. It will last forever. And it will not be corrupted by sin. No more sin. And no more sorrow. No more suffering. No more tears. So much to look forward to. And Lord lets us know that He is going to allow us to be like Him. The one that has ultimate power and ultimate authority and ultimate ability to be like however He wants, He's going to allow us to do the same thing. And that is so awesome. Something that we really rejoice in. And something that is available to us to know that we have that. To be certain that we have that by studying His Word and listening to His Word and listening to the Holy Ghost. And He will give us that knowledge and understanding of what we have to look forward to for eternity. Which will really give us that knowledge that we need to then turn around and share with others. Let's pray. Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we truly thank You oh so much for the knowledge that we can receive when we just accept it. And when we study and find that. And help us to always be hungry to dig deep in there to find that knowledge that is available and to apply it properly to bring you honor and glory not to ourselves but only to you thank you oh so much for all of it as we pray in jesus precious holy name amen thank you all.